And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. Thanks again for joining me. I'm sitting down with Elizabeth Pipko, who is a author, uh, model, extremely talented individual. Um, she is a trained figure skater. She speaks six languages. Uh, she has written a book, and she's writing another book, which is going to be coming out uh, August 25th. So she's had a very diverse career. Um, she has built a name for herself in a variety of different campaigns, advocating for different, uh, different things, both inside and outside of the political arena. Um, so you may have heard of her, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me. I want to understand how you built out your career, where you came from, how somebody is so successful in so many different arenas, and just tell me, tell me your story. Yeah, so from the very, very beginning. Um, my parents came here from the Soviet Union, so I was raised just like a very happy pro-American like child who was just known that, you know, my life is good because my parents literally gave up everything to come here. And it's like a pressure that I think kind of stayed with me uh, since I was like five or six and like able to even understand that. So like sitting with my grandparents who basically raised me and hearing like what they went through uh, to come here so that their grandchildren, which they hadn't even you know known at that point yet, would have this, you know, American life. So it's kind of like a pressure. So when you say, you know, multidimensional, someone who does all these things, like it seems cool, but it's, it's like this anxiety that literally follows me around. That's like you have to conquer everything that you touch and um, continue to do that through your life. And that so I guess there's like good and there's good and bad with that. But that's kind of why I've been like touching all these different things and trying to take on these different opportunities. So what was first? Um, so to start. Yeah. yeah. So to start from the very beginning, when I was 10 years old, I stepped onto the ice for the first time and fell in love with figure skating. And my parents, being the supportive, amazing parents that they are, we um, moved across the country to Florida so I could train uh, in Florida with these, like, really intense, amazing coaches who were the only, like, real professional coaches that would take me on at that point because I really had been skating for, like, a month. Um, I gave up my whole life for that, like, my family, my friends, my health, everything I knew. I was homeschooled starting, like, immediately. I was skating, like, eight hours a day. Um, really just, like, hey, I'm going to the Olympics. It's the only thing I want. So I was, like. 10-year-old Elizabeth's like dream 
Um, I spent like four years training really, really hard, um, caught up with kids my age, which was amazing. And then I got injured like really, really badly quite, quite a few times. I had like a skate to the head. I broke my femur in half, like literally cracked it along like the entire middle from knee uh, to hip, um, broke my ankle, toes, like literally everything you can imagine. And then kept coming back, which is great. And then at 15, I destroyed my ankle like completely. Was told I would never skate again, as well as like have issues walking, running for quite some time. So that was really bad. Um, I spent like almost five months, I think, in a cast and then like seven years in like intense physical therapy, just trying to like come back and be a human again. In that time, we moved back to New York. I went back to school. Um, I published my, or self published actually, my first two books of poetry when I was like 17 and 19, I believe, um, which was really cool. I also got signed to Wilhelmina Models and started like focusing on my skating energy in there and trying to succeed as a model. Um, in the meantime, I dabbled in politics. Like you said, I worked in 2016 in politics and then since then I've continued on there. And then I'd say around the same time, 2015, 2016, I officially made my return to the ice, even though every doctor said I would never do it. And now I'm back training on the ice and waiting to see what happens with that while also dabbling in the new book and the politics and everything else at the same time. What is your focus right now? Because you're, you're competing not competing, but I mean, you're very effective at so many different things. So what, what are your focuses? What are your passions um, that you're doubling down on? Uh, you know, you have, you have this new book, um, you're, you're back on the ice figure skating. I'm not going to be able to provide much commentary on that because I don't know that world. Um, but uh, <laughs> in terms of like politics, advocacy, new book, um, what is your career? Your, what is your career destination look like? Yeah, um, a lot of people ask me that. The answer is I have no idea, which I think is good because I'm 25 and I don't need to know what the hell I'm, you know, doing for the rest of my life. Um, right now, I do have a political organization uh, that focuses pretty heavily on, um, I want to say, just like Jewish causes. It's political, technically, and people see me that way, which is fine. But it's like a very pro-Israel cause, which is less political for me. Unfortunately, that's become political nowadays. But it's more like just the value I was raised with. I'm very pro-Israel. Um, I spent a lot of my days literally stalking and fighting anti-Semitism. That's another focus of my organization. It's also slightly political, which is fine with me, though it's pretty like a touchy subject right now. And it's been hard for me since like getting into it, losing friends and family members and being attacked the way I have been. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of a part of what I am and what I do. I'm not pretending to be like, you know, a person in Congress or a senator, whatever it is. I'm not pretending to be anything. Um, I think since 2016, things have gotten crazy in politics. So my goal right now is to be able to advocate for the causes I stand for while also just being a normal person. Like, I don't think everyone has to be this like one sided person who like strongly pro right or pro left or whatever it is. So I advocate for the causes um, that I stand for that have been with me since I was a child. Um, I started my own organization, which is half non for profit and also a super PAC. So I'm very proud of that at 25 years old. But it's also just a teeny tiny piece of who I am and what I do. I put my heart and soul into that and building that out. Um, so now it kind of functions on its own, which is great. And I'm honored to be a part of it whenever I am. But it's just a little teeny piece, like I said, of what I do. So there's that. There's the pro-Israel stuff, which is separate from politics and also combined, because that's just the way life is now. But that's my heart and soul. Um, I am training. No one really knows that. Um, with the book, I'm kind of like, for the first time, telling people my story. I haven't talked about skating a lot, because it really, I thought, would lead to the Olympics and ended so abruptly and like so... Um, I don't want to say traumatically, but traumatically, like it was really rough for me. So I didn't talk about it. Now that I'm back on the ice, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm back and I'm jumping and training and doing things I did not know I'd be doing. So I'm comfortable talking about that. So I'm kind of telling the world that with my book right now, as well as other things. So I'm training. 
Um, luckily, I can figure skate at like five in the morning, so I can be done by like 9 a.m. and take on the world with some other projects, which is good. There's that. Um, there's the book, which I'm super proud of. Um, it's kind of like a very pro-America, positive, just like one girl story of how she came to, you know, where she is. It's not very one-sided. I'm not trying at 25 years old to tell you how to vote or what to do. I don't believe in that. I'm not that person. I'm just telling you why I believe in the things that I believe in. So I think it's like my whole life is like a weird advocacy mission in like different ways. And hopefully something pays and becomes like an actual career. But right now, it's just like wherever my heart takes me, I'm letting that take, you know, the hours of my day every single day. I think that the one thing, you know, you hit on so many points and there's so many there's so many things that I think are good lessons for people to learn from, whether or not it's, you know, in the perseverance in in figure skating or even like the a very, a very sensible view to politics and not, you know, when you advocate for things, it doesn't always have to be so partisan, it doesn't have to be uh, all right wing, all left wing. There can be people that have that have sensible views on different topics, depending on what the topic is. And the fact that you acknowledge that and like that's sort of like where you're coming from as like a place of authenticity. I think, you know, when I sort of look over the persona of of yourself, it seems like you're just building out a strong brand based on what you actually care about, which is, I think, very important. You know, you're you're marketing yourself authentically. And I think that that's something that you don't see a lot of in politics, unfortunately. I think that that's something that we could use a little bit more of. And it seems like everything that you're doing is sort of falling in line with that strong sense of personal self. Um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just, that's sort of what I'm seeing as you know, as you start going through all these different yeah, things. Yeah, no, that was very well put, better than I could have said. No, <laughs> I, I just talk for a living. So it's, uh, it, the words come easier than, than when you do a one-off interview, but that's really what I see to be quite honest. Um, so, so what's, uh, you know, let's speak about some of the accomplishments. So the, the figure skating speaks for itself. You, you did a ton of training. You had an accident. Now you're back on the ice. And that's something you're constantly striving for. You're, you're, you're persevering. And normally I would just ask something like, uh, you know, how do you keep going? How do you, you know, how do you get back, back on the ice? But I think that a lot of the reasons why you can get back on the ice are the same reasons why you're able to have perhaps unpopular uh, political views on some things that, you know, you mentioned you lost some friends and family members, which is always, you know, it's very sad when politics causes that, of course, um, which is just stupid, to be quite honest, but that it is what it is. People are very, people are very, uh, you know, adamant about their politics. And, you know, right now is like at, at an all time high in terms of uh, advocacy for what people believe. in. <laughs> I see it. Yep. On, I see it on social all the time. And it just, I should probably. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's, you know, I want to understand like what drives you. But first, I just want to understand a little bit more about the causes you support and how you built up. You mentioned something you said you were very proud of. Um, I apologize. I didn't, uh, I didn't get the name or, or what the, the actual movement was, but you said you built it up. It was a, um, what was that again? The PAC? So it's called the Exodus Movement. What is that um, exactly? It's a nonprofit with like a super PAC branch. Okay. Um, basically, when I got into politics, originally, like I had a mission, I worked on a campaign, and then I was just kind of like in that world and didn't know what to do. And like you said, I'm not like a very crazy right wing, left wing. I don't believe in any of that. I just believe in being my own person. And there was a lot of causes that I stand for, but I never wanted to be like this girl who worked for the Republican or Democratic Party. Like that was never going to be it. Um, and the one thing that stuck with me since I was little was like advocacy for Israel, fighting anti-Semitism, like all the things that come with, you know, a girl who was in an Orthodox Jewish school from like two years old to like 13. So um, I started a group which basically um, was advocating for Jewish people. I don't think Jewish people were taken seriously in politics enough. Um, I don't know if you know this, I believe that uh, donations in America, like 50% of donations come from Jews, like 
combined, which is terrifying that they're 2% of the population, but like that involved financially, yeah. but aren't really taken seriously when it comes to politicians asking them what they actually care about and what they stand for. Like it's like the Jewish vote was just kind of taken for granted. I didn't like that. I didn't stand for that. And I thought that they deserve better. So I started my own group, basically advocating for Jewish causes like Israel, 97% um, of American Jews are Zionists. Like they support yeah. Israel, despite what you see on social media. That's just the way it is. And I don't think there was enough coming um, to them, enough information coming to them from different politicians, what they were going to do for Israel. It was a lot that was like sugarcoated by the media based on what they thought they could tell people in order to get them to vote the way they wanted. And I just don't believe in that. I think American Jews deserve to know where politicians stand on different issues that they care about and to make like a real decision, a genuine decision on their part, whether it's the same as mine or different, that's fine. But they should be treated as human beings and not just as a vote that they can check off Democrat because that's the way they've always voted. So I didn't believe in that. So the group did start out super political, um, like I said, but it's very focused on like pro-Zionist, pro-Israel um, advocacy, which is super important to me, as well as fighting anti-Semitism, which ironically at the same time and super unfortunately just like spiked yeah. um, in America and around the world at the same time that I got into this. Now, that so very focused on fighting anti-Semitism on both sides of the aisle, by the way. I don't care if you're a liberal or a pope. I don't care what you stand for. If you're an anti-Semite, we will call you out. We will tell people not to vote for you, not to support you. And you know why this is coming out and from where. So fighting anti-Semitism, supporting Israel, and also there is that little part that is very political. But I'm proud because it's a real organization. I'm 25 and I'm not just, you know, advocating on social media like a lot of people are. I wanted a real organization so people would feel comfortable giving, you know, donating money or using our their resources, whatever it is. But a real organization that I could leave my mark on and then maybe give off to someone else and move on. But just something real that I could build um, while I was in politics. But I have no idea how long that would last, you know. And how did somebody make that move? Um, such a such an incredibly impactful move, like just to start an organization like this, as opposed to just be like an SJW and try and be the loudest person on Twitter, because that doesn't do shit for anybody. So one thing I'm a huge advocate of, I don't really care what you believe in, but do something about it and don't just yell on social right. media. It doesn't really matter what you believe in. You can believe in, you know, the sky's purple, but just do something to prove it out or to support that cause in real yeah. life. Um, so how do you, how did you make that jump from just social that I'm sure most people your age, that's really, you know, this is a huge generalization, but I don't feel guilty saying it because yeah. it's, it's, really? it's, it's very accurate. A lot of yeah, people are no, just SJW. That's literally it. Um, I would sit at home and be like upset at that exact, like that was a speech that was running through my head. And it was not just like young kids, by the way, like in politics, that's everyone. Like they want to see what they can like put their name on and get away with without actually doing anything like older, you know, 50, 60 or like real people that have been in politics for generations, not just people my age. So I thought it was my age. And like, mm -hmm. that's one thing, but like, it's inexcusable when you're someone who's been in politics for like 40, 50 years claiming to have had, you know, different effects on different people and elections or whatever it is, really just sticking your name on things like people do in politics for years. And I just, I didn't want to be that person. And I thought even the people that disagreed with me, which there are many, would probably at least respect the fact that I stood for, you know, mm -hmm. what I believed in and I did something about it. And I tried to not even change your vote, but like, you know, reach out to people and do something with it and not just sat at home posting on Twitter. Um, I also you... get a lot of attacks on Twitter and I don't want to be that person. So I'm better at staying off of social media and doing real things and not, you know, crying over like negative comments. So this was better for me as well. And what were the first steps that you actually took to do something? So I'm just thinking for people that are listening, if they really want to start, a, it seems like a monumental task to actually do something and to make an impact. So what were the steps that you took to actually, you know, walk, walk, walk us through how to start something like this? Yeah, so it's actually a crazy story and I won't air out all of it on here because it's politics and it's dirty. 
but I was like dragged into someone else's idea for a movement. And when I saw, like you just said, how much was not actually being done and which was claimed to, you know, be in the works for the media and whatever it is and wasn't actually happening, I felt extremely uncomfortable being a part of it as well as just like in danger of literally breaking the law. Like I just felt uncomfortable being a part of something when I didn't know everything that was happening behind the scenes. Like I was in the front or whatever it is, it like was blasted all over the media, but nothing that I knew about was actually getting done. Like I had no idea what was going on in the back and I just didn't want to be that person. I didn't know what was going on and didn't know what they were actually advocating for. Didn't know um, what was set up behind them to get something done. I didn't want to be the face of something when I didn't know what was going on. And it kind of blew up out of nowhere, this like idea about Jews and how they vote and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I can't have the media blow up over something and I don't you know, have full control of what it is. So that's when I reached out to people and looked at different um, political consultant groups and met with people and decided I had to make a real organization and see what was going on um, before I lived this like weird fake life, like you mentioned, of just tweeting and saying things and not really getting things done. Like I didn't want to be that person. And you'll be shocked at how few people do that. So when you look into it and you want to get it done, you actually can, you can very easily get it done. Um, and you'll feel a lot more accomplished than tweeting something and, you know, hoping it gets retweeted by whatever number of people. Yeah, well, it's, it's, a to- it's, it's this like echo chamber. I find like social media is this echo chamber of people with similar ideas to you, which just propagates your own, your own idea without actually sort of widening your scope or your view. And I think it's like a very toxic environment. And I think that, you know, it's funny. Um, there's different ways to look at this, but I think the social media algorithms, um, purposefully or not, are, are very damaging to, to communication, to, uh, to conversation, to, yeah. to ideas and expanding, you know, the, the human condition and, and, and just sort of reaching, reaching across the aisle, so to speak, just because I know that algorithms favor like content. And when you have this like social media echo chamber of like content, you always feel like what you're saying is valid because you're being, it's being reinforced by people with similar views, which I think is the most right. dangerous thing because that, that reinforcement is going to drive you to sort of put your feet down, like double down on what you believe in, regardless of whether or not it's logical or it makes I see some crazy shit on Twitter that like, we're not no, talking it's, politics. It's like really crazy. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts what you can build a community around if you're not careful. And if, you know, I think that that's something that there's so many issues with social media, like mental health issues, um, you know, the, the need to get information instantaneously. These are all so many issues yeah. that we see social, but I think like politics is further propagated by social. But um, okay, so let's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that you've built out. Um, and obviously there's some politics involved in, in what you were building out with the super PAC, but that's not all of it is. And that's not all what it is. Obviously you want to sort of build something you're proud of and that you, that you believe in. Um, but you also, you know, when I'm reading sort of the summary for, for your book. So the book is called um, finding my place. That's the book that's coming out August 25th, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it speaks about, okay, so now we got, um, uh, figure skating, uh, done and that's, you're still doing that, uh, the super PAC. Now, what, what are, um, it mentions like some of the lessons and moments that would dictate your future. Um, I'm curious what some of those are. Yeah. So, um, you kind of hit on this a tiny bit with like, what we're talking about with social media. Um, people are very, very quick to like follow the crowd and like be sheep because it's just the easier thing to do. Um, yeah, I was attacked for, you know, working in politics, but I was attacked as a little kid for like choosing skating over like doing drugs and hanging out with boys. Like that, it's always been that way. So it was like you said, easier for me when that happened because I literally had to deal with all that garbage my entire childhood. So for me, the book is about 
like people can say it's political, whatever they want. That's maybe three chapters out of 18. Like it's about being your own person. It's so much more serious than politics because whatever's going on right now, whatever people are advocating for, it's going to change in the next, like in the next year. No one knows what's going to happen. No one knows why it happened in the first place. Um, no one knows how long it's going to last. And the only thing that can last is like who you are as a person and what you genuinely believe in, no matter who's around you. So I think the whole book really is called Finding My Place. It's about how I had to go through life and never really found my place. And whether that was skating and not fitting in there because of how I started and how I trained and everything else. Judaism, like I'm judged on both sides of the aisle. I'm not orthodox enough or I'm too orthodox, whatever it is. And I'm very involved in that world now with politics. People really want to tell other people how to, you know, believe in their own faith, which is crazy. So there in modeling, like I always felt like I didn't belong, even though I had like a real career at Wilhelmina, which was really exciting. Um, in politics, I certainly feel like I don't belong. I'm sure I will feel this again in the future. Just literally finding your place through life and going on without actually knowing, you know, where you are, but knowing who you are, I think is super important. And um, I just, I think it's a really important book for right now, if I can say so myself, because it's just very genuine. I don't want anyone to read the book thinking it's political because it's not. It's a book telling you why I chose what I chose and encouraging you to choose, you know, what you genuinely believe in yourself. Not telling you I would ever judge you for that, just telling you that I would judge you if you chose what someone else chose for you and not what you really feel in your heart because life is way too complicated for that. And um, really just following what you feel in your heart, following what you believe in, something that I've done since I was, you know, three or four years old and hoping that, you know, people read the book and want to do that moving forward themselves. How do you, what, what, is a, what is one lesson that you would tell someone who feels as though their opinions don't go with the grain and they have opinions that they, um, and it, you know, it's just something as simple as choosing the right sport or choosing an activity when you're young, or it could be, uh, you know, doubling down on your faith or religion, or it could be choosing a political arena to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, align with, how do you maintain that positive mental attitude? What's your trick for not, um, caving, uh, you know, or, or is there no trick? Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it is very hard for you. Maybe there have been moments of like depression and you're second guessing yourself. So what is, is your formula? Yeah, so definitely been moments of depression. <laughs> um, it's been rough, but I don't think it was directly related to like being my own person and that just like injuries and, you know, things in between. I think, like you said, there might not be a formula. When I was little, I was a very different person than now. I really don't know why. Maybe it's like from my parents and grandparents and what they went through and just like what they instilled in me without me even really noticing. But I had no problem being my own person. Like I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that girls were talking about. I don't know, smoking weed or whatever it was. And I was like, I have no interest in that. Never going to do it. Still haven't done it. Like, I loved being that person at 13, 14, 15, whatever it was. Still that person. But it was a lot easier when you're like, when you're little. I think people don't realize how much easier it is. And you think that you're like, you know, going with the crowd in high school and doing stupid things. But you'll be different when you're an adult. And it's not like that. It's a lot easier to say no to like drugs or drinking or whatever it is at 15 than it is to, you know, make real world decisions, you know, real grown up in the world. So that's when it started for me. And I thank God for that, because after my injuries and with the anxiety and depression and everything that came from that, I think I became, if I can even say it, like a weaker person. Like I'm not the person I was when I was little before I went through all the garbage of the last, you know, 10 years or whatever. So I'm proud of that person. And that kind of stays with me through life. Like I literally think what would 13 year old Liz do? Because she's way cooler than 25 year old Liz, honestly. But I think it's also just, I, if you convince yourself that it's cool, then you'll want to do it. Like I, I don't know if there's like a formula. I don't know if I can tell myself like, hey, I guarantee you this will succeed because no one else is doing it. Like that will never click in my brain. But what will click is saying, hey, 10 out of 12 people are doing that. You want to be the two that's doing this. 
because they're never going to make it because they're doing what everyone else is doing. Like, there's a reason they're doing it, and it's because it's easier. If you choose the harder path, it'll make you a stronger person or at least a different person from yeah. who they are. Like you're not guaranteed to succeed, but you're guaranteed to get a different lesson than any of them, you know, are ever going to get because they're doing what everyone else is doing. There's also a reason they're doing it, and that's because it's easier. Doing what's easier is never going to help you in life ever. So I think it's more just like rationalizing it with yourself and telling yourself, you know, why do you want to do this? And why do so many people not want to? Why do so many people want that? Or why do they make fun of you for it? And realizing that it might actually be cool to be different and that everyone that's ever made it in life was probably super bullied, super different growing up um, and realized only like 30, 40, 50 years too late that that was actually the right way to live their life. Yeah. That's, I think that's, I think that, I think you nailed it to be quite honest. <laughs> I, um, that's, that's a hundred percent in my opinion, at least how you have to do it. I think, it also helps if you have like a really strong support system. But if, for example, say some people don't, they don't have the support system. I know right. people that because of their, you know, God forbid their, their political views, like they've had fights with their family, their, you know, this aunt, this whatever cousin, the yeah. brother, sister doesn't speak to them. It's just horrible. But um, I think that reinforcing the why and reinforcing that like internal fire as to why you even started down this path. Right. And then I love, I love what you've said about, um, I love the two things you said. Um, and I just want to highlight them. The first one being, uh, just, if everyone's doing it, first of all, it definitely doesn't mean it's right. And second right. of all, uh, you can you can be sure that even if you choose a different path than everyone else, even if your different path is different, you can always go back and learn and and default right. to the other way. They but will always be there. Exactly. It's always there. I love yeah. that. That's and then the other thing you mentioned is most most successful people didn't fall in line with what's normal. You hear this from yeah. I know you're speaking, you know, in your personal experience, your sports, politics, whatever. Hear this from entrepreneurs, like all these, oh, all yeah. these, anybody yeah. who you know who is highly successful, who you know their name, guaranteed they were, if you saw them before they were successful, you would have been like, this one's a little bit weird. Because yeah. it takes a little bit of weird. It takes a little bit crazy. Yeah. And even successful. if you didn't meet them and think that yourself, guaranteed people would tell you, hey, don't go yeah. to him. He's super weird. People yeah, want to bring sure. you down the minute that they see something different about you, even if it's yeah. not weird. To them, like if they don't understand it, they hate it. Like that's just the way it is. And they will always tear you down. Even once you make it, they'll tear you down even more because people don't like that. Like people are uncomfortable by other people who like choose to be different. Yeah, very well said. Um, I, I have a couple, I have a couple uh, other like just professional insight questions that I like to ask. But before, before that, I just wanted to sort of close up, um, you know, pardon the pun, like close a chapter on the book and, uh, and just ask, is there anything that I didn't ask about the book that you wanted to, that you wanted to chat about? Um, no, I mean, I think it's exactly what I said, very like non, you know, not strictly political at all, very pro-America, just, you know, yeah. um, very open and honest. But it's also when I came like out in the public world um, in politics, mostly like I was known a bit in modeling, but not like this at all. Politics is crazy right now. Yeah. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform. Accounting, finance, the works. One data source for everyone. 
There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn Jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. 
This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Um, a lot of people just chose to like tell my story for me, like where there are like there were articles lying about who I was and like like just garbage, um, nasty things from the other side, as well as just people like choosing to tell who I am, why I believe in what I believe in, like all these crazy things. And I'm not saying this book's going to be a bestseller, though I hope it is. But I think it was important for me, and that's another reason I tell people be who you are. It's important for me. I'm finally getting to tell my story, so it mm-hmm. might be you know, 15 years later than little 10 year old Liz who dealt with some bullying, but I'm getting to tell why I am where I am, why I made every decision I made. Some people are really going to dislike it on both sides, politically on all sides and skating and this and that, because they're going to be uncomfortable and that's okay. But I'm finally getting to tell my story. And if you choose to, you know, go your own way, you also have your own story. Whereas if you choose to go with everyone else, story won't be that interesting at 25, 35, 45. But I have a lot of, you know, weird things to share and cool things I hope to share and sad things to share. And hopefully yeah. people will read it and think, oh, I can do my own thing as well. And it might not always work out because it definitely didn't. But um, at least it'll leave me to be my own person. And that's what matters. You know, your story actually reminds me um, on this show, I, I interviewed Anthony Scaramucci. And mm-hmm. he's also the, the, the guy who came from not politics and yeah. was put into politics and just dealt with the absolute shit show that was, was politics. And he's An like, statement. yeah. And yeah, <laughs> serious. And he was like, you know, like Scott, he's like, imagine imagine i can't remember the quote exactly but it was like you know imagine like the the worst person in wall street in business and finance that's like the person you want to be friends with in in washington and it's just nuts because he was you know he's not young like you're relatively you know in 25 right no he's been like he's he's a real person he's like you know multi-millionaire like huge uh with his venture capital firm like very highly successful accomplished individual had a name for himself a huge name for himself just in like the Wall Street finance investment world. And he went into politics. And he's like, it was just a nightmare. 
So, so you know, I think yeah. you have to be like a different kind of person to, to no, be yeah, okay I with can't that. even begin. Like it will chew you up and spit you out. And like, I always thought politics was cool. Like I watched all the movies and I was like in like the yeah. mock elections in school. Like I loved it. And I was like, oh, it's evil. Like people are evil. People are cool. Like it's like a James Bond movie. It's yeah. 10 billion trillion times worse. Like I read about it a bit in a book, but you can't even begin. Like no part of it will make you feel good when you close your eyes at night. Like you will be like, I can't believe I'm a part of this. Yeah, um, I, it is uh, the worst crazy. thing. Just, just awful, God awful, and it gets worse by the day, and it's just terrifying how many people, young people, when I was little, this wasn't happening, young, young people, 11, 12 years old, especially, like you said, social media, feel like they're involved in, like, advocating for something, and are just ruining their minds and their lives, and depressing themselves and everything else, because they feel like there's, like, this mission out there for them, because politics has just taken over everyone's hearts and minds and everything else, and it is, it, it's terrifying, and it's awful, and I, I pray that it goes back to normal very soon. Yeah, I think that, I think that um, I think because of all the, the issues that are, are on a global scale, like COVID, George Floyd, yeah. social unrest, it's just like doubling down on already stressed people and then unemployment and economy. Like there's so many things that, you know, say, say what you want about Trump, but he is having one hell of a, oh, yeah. of a, of a term. Like this is not a normal time for it's not anybody. smooth sailing no it's no brutal. this is a this is an absolute shit show for for anybody that was in office and yeah. and you know i don't well i think that you know i don't want to compare it to, to other horrible global events but this is like this is in 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 my lifetime and in, no, in your huge, lifetime yeah. it's this it's is probably be, the worst it's yeah. been in a while my right? kids are gonna ask me about 9-11 and they're gonna ask me about you know coronavirus like i yeah. think that's or at least 2020 as a whole 20, I think 2020 is a whole thing. I think coronavirus yeah. is like the, the, how it started it and it all just went down. Beginning. Yeah. And it's only July. So just wait. God, don't remind me. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I just like, I, I'm, I'm in Toronto. So, you know, I, I think we just allowed like, uh, not in, not in Toronto. I'm Canadian, but not in Toronto, but, um, outside of Toronto in Ontario, we don't have it half as bad as what's going on in the States right now right. in terms of daily cases, but we just were allowed to go sit on patios like in the past month, which was nice. But it's still, it's just like, it's just, so, nice. yeah, it's very, yeah, it's very no, difficult. Brutal. And I, you know, the thing is that you don't see the end in sight, right? That's really the issue. Like you just no. like, when is, I, I'm complaining right. about patios, but like realistically, like, you know, thank God I still have work. You know, I'm, I'm very right. blessed compared to some people who are not so fortunate, but it's still like for everybody, when's it going to end? Like when, when will the economy yeah. open back up? When can I, you know, I used to live in, in New York and LA. Like I used to go down to New York like once, once a month for work. Yeah. And now it's just like, it's all closed up. It's very weird. Right. I don't know. And it's like a weird fear of like, this could yeah. last six months or this like New York, like maybe the virus ends, yeah. you know, hopefully, but New York could still be New York the way it is right now for the next two, three years. We might not yeah. see like Broadway and Times Square, like in the next yeah. two, three years. It's like simple things. Like it sounds small, but it's really scary. It's like the American spirit is like in that block and it could just be gone. Yeah. And that's, that, it's just, it's a rough time, honestly. Um. Let's, let's. It's, we can go into the the negative and the, and all that stuff. Probably we could talk about that forever. But let's focus on um, some more positive, some things that you've learned from your career. Um, so, I guess one one question I like to ask is, what is something the biggest area of opportunity in in politics and advocacy? What's a topic that you're interested or, or you're trying to learn about right now? Oh, that's a good question. Um unfortunately i think every topic right now i mean it's out there but they're all kind of overwhelmed with advocates on like very you know very far ends of both you know left right style um and it's very hard to be not only your own person but it's very hard to even research because 
you talk to individuals or whatever it is, kind of, you know, you can find out based on who they voted for, or how they feel about the current administration, what they're going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Like, no one wants to be honest anymore and speak as an individual. They speak as like a part of this like left wing or right wing army. And that's something that I just, I never want to be a part of. I don't believe in it. People on the right that support me are going to watch this and hate me for saying it, but I just, I don't like it. I just want to be my own person. Like, I don't want to do that. So it's really hard right now to research and be a part of these things. Um, like, for example, after George Floyd was murdered, it was a really rough time. I mean, in American history, that's going to go down as a rough time. But it was really hard to, you know, individuals to live through that. Of course, his family and everyone suffered extremely. But we all were, you know, in our own way, a part of it. Like, America's facing a serious issue. And I decided to, like, you know, call that out on social media and just say, hey, you know, racism is awful. And it's genuinely, like, heartbreaking that a black child is going to have to watch that video one day because it's plastered on social media forever. And it's, it's terrifying. And it should not happen in America, the greatest country in the world that my parents fled to to avoid these things. So I said that, and people on both sides of the aisle decided to call me either, you know, a racist who's never cared about black people in the first place, or those on the right who said that I'm the reason that, you know, America's going to fall through the cracks and die because I choose to call out racism, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't even stand up against racism as like a normal American who genuinely was heartbroken by that video, like I think 99.9% of people were. I can't even do that anymore. Like that should be the most basic American, you know, value and tradition. Yeah. Like we don't stand for people being treated badly in our country by anybody. And you can't even do that anymore because people will tell you, you said it wrong. You did it wrong. You can't say that. We're on the right. You don't say that. We're on the left. You don't say that. And it was just, it was really scary. Like I turned social media off for two days and it was less, genuinely less about like the nasty comments to me and more about like, where the hell are we? Like my yeah. parents, my entire childhood were like, you were in the greatest land of all time. You can do anything. You can stand up against anyone. You can just believe in anything you want. And now I'm just a 25 year old. I think I was still 24 then, but a 24, 25 year old girl who's like, Hey, racism is bad. Like breaks my heart that this is out there. I have to say something because it hurts me as someone who fights against anti-Semitism. I was always, I will always fight against racism and hatred of any kind. And I had to say something because I just, it felt it in my soul. Like I had to say something. And it's like, if you get attacked for like a few sentences calling out racism, like what can you even stand for anymore right now? Like it's so hard out there. And it's, it's sad because it's not the country that we are at all. It's not the country my parents came to, you know, 40 years ago. And it's not the country that I want to raise kids in. I want them to be able to stand against hatred and stand for whatever they believe in, even if people, you know, disagree. And like you said, it's social media too. Like people just feel the need to call people out, tear them down no matter what they say. And it, it's bringing us down like as a whole so much. And I just, I don't know how it's like people are going to look back on this time because it's, it's really scary. Like we can't come together to call out racism, to call out anti-Semitism, like simple things that the American people have always done. And we can't do it right now because we can't get on the same page on the most basic like human values. And it's yeah. so scary. Now, that was a very, very heavy answer, but I appreciate it. because yeah, I didn't very, expect it either. <laughs> but no, it was good. Um, and it's, it's very real. But um, for yourself, so let's stay out of the, the advocacy and like topics, because like you mentioned, it's very hard to, to dive into something now because of the, the environment. Um, so what for yourself, where do you what else do you want to do in your career? Is there, you, you know, skating, um, advocacy, uh, writing? What, what else is next for you? Is there anything that you have planned? Um, so many things. My head is like my wheels are always turning because I'm crazy. I need to accomplish everything. Um, I would love to keep skating and see what happens. I mean, to make like an actual comeback to competition after everything would be just the greatest feeling in the entire world. And to be like a victory that I could take with me through my life because I mean, I had really the most amazing childhood and that injury and like the six, I'd say six, seven years that followed emotionally, like physically, mentally were like the, that's the hardest time of my life. Like I dealt with like suicidal attempts and thoughts at like 16, 17, literally couldn't walk upstairs for two years after getting my cast off. Like 
getting back on the ice was traumatizing and I just literally cried every single day from pain. I still cry from pain sometimes because my ankle just clenches up and stops working. It, it was really, really, really hard. So if I could come back on the ice, not only for myself, but anyone else that ever gets injured or just has a setback of any kind, like that would be amazing. So I'm really working on that and see what happens with skating. Um, I think the advocacy thing will stay with me through life, like the things that I believe and I will never stop, you know, ad- like advocating for those things. But also, I think it's about opening people's minds, less about telling them, hey, this is what I believe you should do. It's more, I think, for me, like encouraging conversation. Like I think people need to learn or relearn how to have conversation about things that matter to them. So it's less about me explaining to people why I believe in what I believe in. I think that's second. And like, first off, it's just explaining to people that it's okay to have the conversations about these different issues that we believe in. That's really important to me. I think that's what America stands for. And that's um, something that I will always advocate for. I would love to go back to modeling. Um, I was at Wilhelmina, which is a big agency for like three years. Um, different agency, um, went back and forth did a bunch of things. I did like a body positive positivity um, campaign a while ago, like a non-Photoshop campaign, which went viral. That was really cool. Just like whatever I can do, it's every little girl's dream to model. And I loved every minute of it. That would be cool. They would do that again. I'd love to keep writing. Um, during like when COVID uh, started and I knew we'd be locked up for quite a bit of time, I took an online um, really long, uh, like a, I don't say it, it wasn't like official culinary school, but like a culinary certification course that I spent like eight hours a day on and I got my certification. So that was really cool. So I'd love to do a cookbook after this book. That's another dream of mine. Um, probably a kosher cookbook because I um, became kosher at 14 and like are going more and my family's going slowly more and more orthodox. Like as the years go on. So I'd love to like do a kosher cookbook and encourage other young Jews to keep kosher, see how easy it is. Um, put my love of cooking into a book. That would be cool. Um, I don't really know. Just all the things I mentioned and a hundred more, hopefully. Good. Um, good. No, that, that's, that's good. I was just wondering if there's any projects, but it just seems like you're, you're always like keeping your options open and just, yeah. you just go in and, and, you know, just kill it with whatever you do. So like, you know, Good, good. That's 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 very admirable. It's hard for people to sort of Thank take you. even you know one thing on um, and do well at it, let alone a, a several things. So, um, it's I think it's like a personality trait. It's definitely yeah. you know that internal drive. Um, where do you where do you go to to learn or to stay on top? Is it you know books, mentors, podcasts that you can recommend that people should go check out? Yeah, um, I'm really really lucky that when I go somewhere, I go to my dad. Um, he's the smartest person in the world and I go to him for advice on everything to look over like op-eds that I write like he's my editor and my mentor and my advisor and like he's just smartest and kindest human alive so I he's my person so I go to him for everything so I'm very lucky with that um I would say in general watch out for everything on the internet like you said like you never know but I like to listen to podcasts a lot and I like to go back and forth between those that are like known on one side of the aisle and those are known on the other because you'll you'll hear the same topics being talked about in very different ways and it's a good way to like form your opinion because A, I'd like to know what other people are saying even when I don't agree with them. That's super important. And B, it'll help shape you. Like when I was little, I thought that I was, um, I remember saying that I'm, I'm a Republican, like 11 or 12 years old. And my parents were like, you're 12, take, like, take it easy. And it's true, like you will evolve over time. So there's no reason at, you know, I meet a lot of people who are like 16, 17 who tell me like they look up to me or they're very strong political Republican, whatever they want to be. More people on the other side who attack me, like same thing. And it's like you're a teenager or you're 20s, 30s, whatever. Like you're going to evolve. You're going to meet different people, go through different experiences. And your mind, like it could open up. It could change. You never know. So I would just say listening to everyone that you can listen to. That is kind in their approach. And, you know, obviously keeps the same values, morals, ethics that you support. But I I would listen to everyone because it it doesn't make any sense to keep yourself on one side because it's only going to shape you for talking to those people. And 
that's not what you want. Like, we're not going to grow as individuals by only talking to those that agree with us. That's just really. So I think that's most important. Listen to podcasts, the news, whatever it is, both sides, because you will learn. Maybe you'll learn that you're right, 100% right, and you'll only like grow stronger in your own opinions. That's important too. But you can't do that by only listening to those that agree with you. That's a it's a good answer. Um, you know, I wanted to. There was um an example. I can't remember his name. One second. It's it's the he's he's famous. Um, but it's it's the black guy who started a relationship with one of like the leaders in the Ku Klux Klan. And that whole story just blows my mind. And, and it just makes me think like you want an extreme example of how somebody right. can change over time. Um, that whole story. And, you know, it's so bad that I'm uh, I'm blanking on it now. Jeez, what's what's but it's a good opportunity for people to Google and learn? Yeah, no, it's so long story short, and I'm gonna be, (laughs) you know, I'm gonna be in so much trouble forgetting the name because this guy is actually relatively famous. Anyways, long story short, he was just doing um, interviews with people in this this black guy was doing interviews with people in the Ku Klux Klan because he wanted to understand why they could hate, and he and he interviewed somebody who was like very 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 high up in in the uh, in the organization, and you know, he just, he just went out on a limb and did it, did an interview with them, asked some questions, wrote an hour, you know, they, they finished the interview. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, he said, keep in touch. The, the, the Ku Klux guy said, keep in touch. So he did. And he started inviting him over to his house, even though this guy was like a leader of this, like very, very yeah. right wing, um, racist organization. He kept in touch with this black, uh, you know, journalist, or, or I think he was writing a book actually on the Ku Klux Klan, this black guy. And, um, and I'm going to get the names. I'm going to drop the book in the links for this. Cause it's a great, it's a great story as well. I'll, yeah. I'll get your, I'll get your book as well in the links for this, but Don't long worry. story short, like, like 10 <laughs> years later or something like that, this guy, um, the leader in the Ku Klux Klan built such a relationship with this guy right. that he eventually left the Ku Klux Klan. And he went on and, and, and his, like his speech of him, like retiring from, I don't know how you leave. Um, he was like, basically this, this black guy has given me more respect than you all, all, all you white people right. have. And this is like a total. Um, total aside from, uh, you know, your story, but I just thought it was such a, it was, I just saw it on Goldcast last night. That's why it's so relevant. And it was just such, um, it was such a, like an impactful story about how like the total, total, total opposite end of the spectrum. If you open yourself up to learning, like the things that can happen and, and the person you can become, it's just, it's very incredible. It's just, like, it's right. just total 180 from where this guy was originally. Right. Yeah. If you um, want to stay in your circle, you can post on social media and get your yeah. likes for your opinion and call it a day. If you actually genuinely want to change the world, yeah. you're not going to do that around people that already agree with you. Like that's yeah. not going to change anything. You have to reach across to something, you know, someone else. Um, uh, who are the three most influential people in your life? And you can say family um, members too. It's okay. Most people say some, some I was gonna say, people say family. I mean, I have a husband, a brother and two parents. So like four. Um, that's one. People. <laughs> that's that's one. one. Okay, that's yeah. perfect. I don't have a lot of friends, so that's actually easy. I'd say, my honestly, I'm very lucky. Like you said, support system wise, like my parents are the greatest people in the world. My brother is my best friend. My husband is the kindest, smartest. I mean, just perfect. Team. Like, very, very lucky with everyone around me, genuinely. Like the close knit family, I'm beyond blessed. Uh, so I have them. Um, I'd say I'm very lucky with grandparents also. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side passed away before I was born. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side, who was very close with me, passed away like two years ago. I had like a step-grandfather pass away a, a year before that. I had like an adopted grandfather. That story's in the book, very complicated as well, but he passed away like a year before both of them. Um, so my grandmothers that are still alive, very influential, just because that's like a legacy that I 
um, an honor to be a part of. Like that's the pressure that I take with me when I want to conquer all these things. It's like looking at my grandmothers who, you know, may not be around, you know, won't be around forever. Like this is about like continuing their legacy, my grandfather's legacy, things that they risked everything for to come to America. Like so that grandchildren one day would have this legacy. So it's like a pressure on my shoulders because they're all amazing to continue on what they started. So I don't know if it's like, I don't come to them with every advice, you know, question, whatever it is, because I don't like to bother them with, you know, politics and stupid 20 year old stuff. But it's like a lot like that's the pressure that's on me 24 seven. So it does guide me. So I'd say that. And then I, I, I don't even know, like I look at all different athletes and politicians and people all the time. Um, I'll watch like random. This is also I say this in the book, I think I've watched like random YouTube videos for like America's Got Talent auditions, like all these things, because like you want to open your mind and see people out there. And there's so many stories like I hope that my skating story inspires someone. There's so many stories in the world and so many freaking incredible people. And if you open your mind, whether you agree with them politically or like, it doesn't matter if they're from a different university, they speak a different language. There are so, so many incredible people in our world doing the most, I mean, beautiful things, like the, the toughest things. If you open your mind and just try to look at, you know, don't look for negative news articles on people you don't like. Look for beautiful stories from across the world of people doing things, things that you could never imagine a human being doing and seeing them getting it done. That will also lead you through the hard times, the good times. You know, when you're down, you know, that that's going on somewhere at the same time. When you're up, you'll be happy because that's going on. Like, it's just, it guides you through life because we all feel like we're in a little cluster all the time. But the world is gigantic and full of amazing and evil and beautiful and special and different people. And when you know what's out there, I think it it, it lifts you up in a way that you wouldn't really imagine. Um, because you know that you're special and you're lucky to be in the world right now, as crazy as it is, at the same time as all these, you know, amazingly different people. Very good answer. Um, and what would be the uh, the best day of your life? and the worst day of your life and why oh lord um the worst day of my life um when my adopted grandfather passed away it was like i've lost like a great grandmother before and like great aunt uncle like i lost people but this was like my favorite person in the entire universe um the story is in the book and it's a really special story so that's important to me but basically this was like a couple that um a woman who came to babysit me when i was three weeks old because both my parents were like very busy and traveling and things. And she came at three weeks and became like an adopted grandmother. At one point, um, her husband started coming as well because my parents had a brother and she was older and couldn't take care of me alone. And I ended up seeing them every single day. They became like adopted grandparents from three weeks old to the day uh, that he passed away. She's still alive. Thank God I talked to her every single day. Like literally, you don't understand how lucky you are and like how much God loves you till he sends you this couple that has no blood relation to you whatsoever and loves you like their own child, their own grandchild. Um, so I'd say when he passed away, it was just as hard as my grandfather passed away later and all these things. I just, I never experienced that, like it that heavily because when you're loved unconditionally, like I was by all my grandfathers, um, you don't really think about it going away at some point. I think when he passed away, it hit me. Like I may never be loved like that again by anyone. Like that's like the, the ultimate unconditional love is like a grandparent, especially a grandfather, granddaughter. So I'd say losing my grandfather, my adopted grand, like it was just, all have, I lost like three grandfathers basically like in a span of three years. So that's hard. But it, it's like the scariest thing in the world because when you do go through things when you're little and people are against you, whatever it is, like you said, the support system is most important. And I knew that they would just go to freaking battle for me. Like that's like an unconditional love. I genuinely don't think I'll ever see again in my lifetime. So losing that was really, really hard. Realizing that they won't like none of them will be at my wedding. Like that was, I'd say that was hard. And I just, I'm going to love all the grandfathers together because their deaths were just awful. Um, best day of my life is hard. I don't even know. Um, I got married like a year and a half ago, so I hope that sits in like the top three 
Um, I don't know. I mean, meeting my husband, he thinks I'm crazy. But I think that day was more special for me than actually even getting married to him because and people make fun of me, but it's true. I barely spoke to him that day. I just overheard him like speaking to someone I was working with. And I came home and told my mom, like, I met the man I'm going to marry today. <laughs> like, I knew that day. So I think like that, I'd say that was more special than even marrying him. So that was a good day. Um, maybe it's going to sound cliche. The day my brother was born, I feel that's a good day. I didn't realize it till years later that he'd be my best friend. But I guess the day he was born is like top three as well. There's a lot of good days. I can't good. Say, so I, no. I'll lump those together. No, that's good. That's good. Those are the, I just like to, when I ask that question, I just like to understand like what, what is like really, really, I guess, um, something that made a mark on, on, on yeah. your, on your, on yourself, like as you, as you sort of went through your life and it's, everyone has a different, sometimes it's careers, sometimes it's family, a lot of the times it's family, but I like, those are, those are good answers. And, and I appreciate the, I appreciate the story about all your grandfathers. Um, but, uh, no, that's, it sounds like, you know, Sounds like you had an amazing. Well, you you do have an amazing family. It's always nice and it's always helpful, right? It's that's you can't uh, you can't take that for granted. Um, what would be one lesson that you would tell your younger self? Um, I'd say keep going. Like that would be number one because there was a lot of times. I mean, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year old. I mean, we all deal with it as teenagers. But like, I consider my younger self even me like four months ago. Like just keep going. Like no matter what happens, you either you know, you can either shrivel up and die right there, or you can keep going, but continuing half-assed, like that's just not going to work. So it's mm -hmm. just keep going because the better days are always ahead, worse days also, but you have to keep going because it's so easy, especially for me. I deal with so much anxiety all the time. It is so easy to just like stop and like consume myself with like crazy sad thoughts and negative thoughts and everything else. It's, it's just keep going. The world will forget what happened today. You will move on. Better things are ahead. Just always, always, always keep going. Very good. And then uh, last, last question before I get some, some show, socials and websites from you. Um, what does success mean to you? Um, the age-old question. Everyone says this, um, and like I don't want to be a cliche, but I think it's like slowly hitting me. My whole life, it was like success is like having diplomas and degrees and awards and things to put on your wall. And I'm still that person, and I want all those things. But my husband is like slowly starting to like help me realize this. Like success is so much not even greater. It's actually so much smaller than that. It's being able to like lay on your deathbed and be surrounded by people that love you. Because no matter how many you know medals you have on your wall, you don't want to surround yourself with that by yourself on your deathbed. So it's about having people around you that love you and loving yourself. Because one day you will totally be alone, closing your eyes for the last time. And if you're not okay with the life you live, that is the opposite of success. It doesn't matter how the world remembers you. Um, if you don't like the person you are, like you're screwed. So yeah. I would say liking who you are every single night when you close your eyes. Um, continuing the next day in the same direction and just trying to be kind to everyone and leave the world a better place than when you came in. Very good. And lastly, um, where do people find you online? Um, Twitter and Instagram are both just my name, Elizabeth Pipko, and then elizabethpipko.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off.
I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours. That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com 
com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 